Hello and welcome to Fidelity Connects, a Fidelity Investments Canada podcast, connecting you to the world of investing and helping you stay ahead. Portfolio manager Mark Schmel is today's featured guest. For Canadian investors, Mark manages Fidelity Special Situations Fund, Canadian Growth Company, and Global Innovators. We caught up with Mark on Tuesday, September 13th, a day where the U.S. CPI announcement caused volatility in the markets. So, is the current market environment ripe for stock picking? Perhaps a time to opportunistically position one's portfolio for the eventual recovery. Mark shares his thoughts on these questions, as well as providing his perspectives on this year's equity markets and the current positioning of his portfolios. Among other topics today, with host Pamela Ritchie, Mark comments on energy, financials, the state of innovation, when is or was the bottom of the market, and how he is shifting from defense to offense, noting that now is the time for him to look for opportunities that he wants to own for the next cycle. As noted, today's podcast was recorded on September 13th, 2022. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of Fidelity Investments Canada ULC or its affiliates. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. It is not an offer to sell or buy or an endorsement, recommendation, or sponsorship of any entity or security cited. Read a fund's prospectus before investing. Funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently, and past performance may not be repeated. Fees, expenses, and commissions are all associated with fund investments. So, okay, that number came out. We're seeing a reaction. CPI, um, does it change ultimately how you are looking at the markets right now? No, no. Um, You and I talked about this earlier. It's interesting. I really do believe that visibility is improving. And um, I think that you're getting to that point where six months ago, I'd say February timeframe or even December, it was like this fog, right? It was like the fog of war. You couldn't see through it. You had no idea what was coming at you. You just knew the Fed was going to raise rates until it killed the economy and, you know, shut down inflation. You had no idea what that's going to look like. And that is terrifying. And, you know, market just blew up, continued to blow up and right into through till June. We're at that point where we're starting to get a, an idea of what it actually looks like. And, you know, today's number is, is just part of the story. And, you know, the market, the market's like a juvenile child. It, it tries to price every little wiggle. Um, so it bounces around all the time. But what you have to do is, is what I like to do for, I tell people is you have to back out to like a five-year view and look at everything on a five-year view. And it kind of smooths out all these like little jiggly lines. And it's really telling you that um, we have a lot of answers now that we didn't have six months ago. So so some of the answers are, we now know where the peak is in oil, right? That is something we didn't have a clue on before. Um, We started to see demand destruction. uh, I like to think of it in simplistic terms in the US when oil got to, or gasoline got to $5 average gallon. Demand destruction hit um, $120 a barrel oil ish. So, you know, you know where the peak is in oil is that number. That's the number. We didn't know that before. Um, and, you know, supply is getting better. Oil prices have eased. There's a lot of reasons. It's a very complex subject. But basically, you could say oil prices peaked at 120. Oil drives inflation it is the it is the number one reason why inflation goes up. People talk about wages and all this. Oil yeah, not not everyone looks at it. Not everyone looks at it that way. I mean, that that's yeah. 
Yeah, it, 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 it bleeds into everything. It is incredibly powerful inflationary force. And so that probably means inflation has peaked. If oil's peaked, inflation has likely peaked. Now, it doesn't mean it won't be persistent and won't stay higher for longer. And we can talk about, you know, where you want to be in that sort of environment. But, you know, the market is all about rate of change, right? So the rate of change is changing. We're going from, you know, massive inflation to inflation is starting to roll over. Where does it go to? I don't know. We don't have clarity on that yet, but we know it's peaking. So oil's peaked, inflation has peaked. That probably means we have an idea where long rates are going to peak. And that's the big, that's the big variable for people like me in growth land who live in expensive stocks, right? And I think it's pretty clear that, that the 10 year is probably going to peak in the, around four. And as a result, I feel as though the valuation destruction that we have seen over the last probably 18 months is likely over. And if that's the case, you know, it's time to start looking again at like these really good secular growth stories because a big part of why they're all down so much is because 10-year backed up and valuation got crushed. Now, we can also argue about where earnings are, and I would argue earnings are still too high. I'm not like saying that, that it, now's the time to put your whole portfolio in the market because I think it's still going to be bumpy. I mean, today it's bumpy. We're down, you know, down 4%. But it is time to start looking for those opportunities that you want to own next cycle. And so, I, I is that what you're doing? I mean, are, are you beginning? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So what I'm trying to do now is it used to be I would cheer on days like today when I was up 100 basis points or 200 basis points in the markets down. So if I look at my funds today, you know, Innovators is up 100 basis, rel 100 basis points relative to the market. I feel like that's great. I don't want to be up that much anymore. So I want to start moving defense out of the portfolio and I want to move it towards offense. And I'm starting to find ideas that are no longer expensive. Management teams have figured out, hey, you know, the economy's slowing down. Um, we were losing way too much money. We're going to fix that. And guess what? The business fundamentals are still, still fine. So what happened in a lot of growth stocks is management never needed to run the business like a business, right? They just grew and they, you know, they had all these projects and like all this whiz-bang baloney. And now they're starting to say, wait, I don't need all that whiz-bang baloney. My core product is still really good. I need to actually try and make money or drive what really matters. And that's what recessions do. They're like this period of refreshing, right? We get rid of all the like little projects we had and, you know, 600 people that are working on these little projects that are stupid. And we focus on what we're good at. So recessions are healthy. And I think that you know, the last 20 years has been a period where we haven't had a normal recession. We had, we had like the dot-com blow up. We had the financial crisis. We had COVID. I mean, these are not normal recessions. You know, you got to go back to the 80s and 90s to see a normal Fed-induced slowdown of the economy, a normal recession where, you know, things happen normally. And I think that's what we're going to experience because, you know, the consumer is in a good shape pretty much everywhere. Um, balance sheets are in good shape. Banking system's fine. You know, there are imbalances, but in general, it feels as though those imbalances aren't the ones I need to worry about from a sort of economic level standpoint. You know, there's a war going on. We know that. Maybe it gets better. Maybe it gets worse. I don't know. Um, there's inflationary forces. Absolutely. But as we slow the economy down, those will start to get better. And there's also supply responses starting to occur in a variety of places. So, yeah, the second derivative of all the bad stuff that has hit the market all year long is starting to improve. And therefore, we need to start getting interested in the stock market. 
again, don't put all your eggs in. It's going to be bumpy and be careful and slow and move slowly. That's what I'm doing. I'm moving slowly. But yeah, now's the time to start buying stuff. What does the um, innovation picture look like right now? You just met, you just mentioned a certain amount of right sizing that that's gone on mm -hmm. for obvious reasons. Um, are moments like this, whatever this is, uh, a good time for innovation? Does it tend to be useful? It's great. So it's funny, you know, we've seen a lot of market destruction. Um, my funds have been down a lot. And there was just a lot of inefficient capital allocation going on. I would say, you know, 12 months ago, 18 months ago, people were funding all kinds of crazy stuff. I was funding all kinds of crazy stuff. I look back and I, I look at some of the investments I made in 2021 and I'm like, what was I doing? We all get caught up in it. It's an emotional procedure. But, but what happens now is we have this sort of cathartic look at my business and figure out what it is that I'm doing and what is it I'm doing well and become efficient around it. And you would not believe how many conversations I've had in the last probably even just six months um, with a lot of luminaries in technology about that very thing. It's like we have a thousand extra people we don't need. They're working on things that just don't matter. And they're all going to get fired. And like, this is a, this is a good thing. And it, the, basically the more layoff announcements you see, the more bullish we can all get. And you know, the, the, the more bad news you see over the next three to four months, the better it is for everybody. And the market's going to start to look through it because as I said, a lot of those big variables that we didn't have a clue on, we can start to put pins in and say, okay, here's, here's where they're going to be. And, you know, I don't know where the market's going to go, you know, over the next six months to 12 months. But I do know that companies are rationalizing. Companies are trying to get more efficient, which is a healthy thing. And, you know, the economy is going to keep slowing down. And so what do you own in a slowing economy? Remember the last 10 years, it was all, there's no growth. Therefore, I'm going to own growth stocks because they're the only things growing and everything else isn't. Guess what? We're slowing the whole economy down. And if you have some secular growers who like are no longer spending money on stupid things all over the place, uh, they can really show some leverage on the, on the profits front. And a common deterrent amongst a lot of my colleagues to owning, let's say, a software company is, well, they never make any money and, you know, it's not a real business. But what happens when they start making real money? Um, anyway. I, I think there's a, I think there's a lot of opportunity right now, and I'm not not waving the flag like now's the time, but now is definitely the time to be looking, and now is the time to be doing the work to find the ideas that you want to own 12 months from now when the market is ripping. So that's sort of where I that's where I come down at the moment. Was was June the bottom of the market? Sorry to ask you such a throwaway question, but was it? So so I couldn't tell you that that's the bottom. Um, Probably if I told you the bottom, I'd get yelled at anyway by compliance. Right. I don't think I don't think that's the bottom necessarily, but it doesn't matter. It's all it's like we're getting close, right? So we're we're quibbling. I mean, what do we hit? Okay. Thirty five hundred? What was the number? So we go back there. Like, who cares? It's like it's like ten percent in in the time horizon of most investors. So I'm investing people's money for like thirty years. Ten percent is a meaningless number. Who cares? So okay. what I need, what I need to do is I need to take that, let's say the next 10% down or whatever the number is, who knows what the number is, buy the right company so that when things turn, there's the 100% up, right? So, you know, 
we've experienced the down already and we're still grinding through the down. But I can start to see the other side. So in in this, I don't know if it if it is an interregnum, but as you say, you're sort of there's a shifting going on of mm -hmm. sorts. Um, yeah. What what do you like in sort of as you shift? Uh, like in terms of sectors, stocks, or if what do you be, mean? If you become somewhat less defensive uh, and and work towards being slightly more offensive, is is there something in the middle that gets you through, or or is it? Actually, you just switch from one to the other slowly. You, you basically slowly switch from one to the other. So, you know, the things that have been working this year, energy, utilities, staples, um, healthcare a little bit, you, you, start to, you start to say, well, do I want to own those in this next period? So what is, the question is, what does that economy look like? So fast forward 18 months. We're coming out of this. What does the economy look like? I would argue that that economy is still relatively inflationary, right? So maybe inflation is not eight, maybe it's four. Rates are structurally higher, but we don't care because we've already priced that. Um, growth is not awesome. It's a little bit slow. And we're working really hard on a couple of big things worldwide, you know, climate change. Um, we're still doing technology, cloud transition, that kind of stuff. So a lot of the, the secular change the secular trends we've been seeing for the last four or five years haven't actually changed that much you know there's like okay more and more electric cars coming i, I actually just did a test drive yesterday in the electric hummer this <laughs> is a crazy car um so a lot of those secular changes that we've been investing against haven't changed what's changed is that you know the capacity of the economy to grow quickly is reduced because inflationary pressures are real and rates will be higher so Think about that economy. That's the economy I'm investing in. Where do I want to be in that sort of economy? And what do I pay for the stocks in the, that economy? And that's okay. the question you need to answer. And so what I'm doing is I'm saying, okay, this is, this is what I want to own in that type of economy two years from now. And that's what I'm buying today. Okay. So what, so what is that? <laughs> is crypto have a place? Um, I think crypto does have a place. It's really hard to come up with a value for it because it doesn't do anything yet. No one's found the killer app. You know, it was like the internet was a great thing until Google figured out search and then it became a business. So right. nobody's figured out search for, for crypto yet. So I, I'm still there. I still pay attention to crypto. I own some crypto exposed stocks. Um, you know, picking away at it as it blows up is not a terrible strategy. But, you know, again, it's not one of those ones that like this is the best idea ever. I have I have two great ideas that I think are going to be amazing. And I can't tell you who they, what they are up from zero five months ago, um, and I buy them every day. So I'm definitely getting that point where I think that there's opportunity in the market, and it's not just in not losing money, which has been the, strat the winning strategy for the last 12 months, right. which is don't lose money. That's no longer gonna be the winning strategy going forward, I don't think, soon. Um, it might be the winning strategy for the next couple of months, or maybe through Christmas or whatever, but. If that's the strategy you're, you're following, you're going to really miss out on like when things start to get better again. Well, I mean, the stock market can just look through so much. Well, so far, I guess, is the is, yep. is the discussion of that. So when the Fed, if the Fed ultimately breaks something, that will be the point when probably things have already taken off. Yeah. And by the time that the regular person is feeling this recession is the time the market will, it'll already be up 20%. So. 
the key, the key for I think for most investors is visibility. Like, like they can't see through the. Well, we're starting to be able to see what that's going to look like. And you know, you can pencil it out. You can come up with a scenario that makes sense. And the visibility is the important thing. Asking about whether, in fact, growth as a style is is somewhat redefined. Um, will it be different from what we thought of as growth before? Is the question. So growth is just growth. I think that the difference is the way people value growth. So people were valuing growth in that low rate, no rate environment, just strictly on sales because there was no interest rates and no other growth. So I think that paradigm of, of valuation is no longer going to be with us because we are going to be in a higher rate environment and a lower growth environment, in my opinion. Okay. That said, if you're in a lower growth environment, you will pay more for growth, secular growth. So, it, you know, whatever. I, I don't think that growth stocks are always the same. I trade the same way for a thousand, for a hundred years. Um, it's just the valuation metrics people use to to sort of figure out what they're worth will change. So we don't just chase ourselves out of a, a paper bag to redefine necessarily no. how, how that all no. comes to no. the fore. No. So you you no. mentioned. The, couple of big themes. One of them was, you know, energy transition. Where, if at all, do you find opportunities there? They obviously got priced sort of massively and also kind of fell out of bed <laughs> at some point. Oh, last well. in 2021, they were awful. Yeah. So I think that there's a lot of science projects in that space. And science projects work really well when rates are low. And science projects don't work very well when rates are high. And we're going to be in a high rate environment. So Odds are good. You don't want to own the science projects, but there are a lot of like sort of industrial companies that are focused on the space that are actual real businesses that you can own that build into that. Um, I own a lot of them. Are they still um, incumbents though, or are they more yeah. new, innovative? Okay. No, they're incumbents, but they, they are executing against the trend. So if you're a utility and you want to put in a wind farm or whatever, you need to use this company. Um, it's, it's not necessarily a good idea, in my opinion, to own the core technology in a lot of these spaces. For example, like the battery guys, you know we're going to need bazillions of batteries. Battery guys are terrible stocks. Um, Tesla's killed them all. And so you, like the, the fundamental technology is not necessarily what you want to own because that's the science project. You want to own the the integrator around it, who creates the business around that. Um, and so that's what I'm trying to find. And, you know, a really good place for that right now is like utilities are fantastic. Utilities are like this little group that nobody ever owns. And they're going to be the focus of a lot of capital spending for the next 10 years as we electrify the world. They are defensive. They pay dividends. And their earnings are going to be about trend for the next 10 years. So it's not a terrible place. And nobody would think about it, uh, an electric utility as being a growth stock. But they're growing. So, you know, it depends where you are. So th these are thematically things you can think about and try and find the right ideas. Do you um, do you think that markets ultimately, it, it sort of goes to the, the question of the health of, of the consumer, the idea that a so-called healthier consumer may go through dips throughout, the, you know, if there's a, a recession or so on. But if you enter yeah. it as a healthier consumer, you're generally fair or better. Do you, do you see it that way? Absolutely. And are there opportunities because of that? 100%. 100%. So 
This is not the financial crisis when the market fell 50%. This is going to be a garden variety recession. And there's been a lot of argument of, well, we're in the 70s and it's going to be awful and whatnot. But it's certainly not going to be the financial crisis. And because consumers are in a good place. Most consumers, with the exception of the low-end consumer, are in a really good place. And the low-end consumer is never in a good place. I mean, they, they never have any money. That's just the way it always is. But most people have good balance sheets. Banks have good balance sheets. Um, companies have good balance sheets. Governments don't, but governments never have good balance sheets, so who cares? And I just don't, I don't see it as a financial crisis, 50% Armageddon. And that's why I really feel as though you know, the market's come down 20-some-odd percent in the States, I mean, 40%, I think, for, for growth. I feel like we priced a lot of this. I mean, we, you know, I just don't see it as being as bad as the financial crisis. I lived that one and invested through it. This is not even close. I mean, not even close. So for me, I feel like we're, we're plumbing the depths. There's not tremendous downside. There's still downside, but not tremendous down, in my opinion, so far. Um, and I feel like now's the time to start looking for ideas. You spoke about it a bit earlier, but can you kind of circle back to how you're looking at energy at this moment? So energy, I think that the group as a whole um, will continue to do well. So I think that we're going to have structurally higher energy prices for a while, um, for lots of not reasons. Not just Europe, eh? It's everyone. Not, yeah. not just Europe, everybody. Okay. I think that the absolute price levels have probably peaked for a lot of them, and, you know, take some of the heat out of that that sector but you know if oil prices stay in the 80s for five years a lot of these stocks are probably going to do very well because they just they generate a ton of cash so it it is a it is a really nice group to own um and i think you can stock pick your way through it and, and i'm overweight the group but i don't think that you know early in the year it was the only thing you could own right like if you fast forward to like june the only group that was working was energy that is no longer true. Uh, and the relative performance of energy to the rest of the market has really fallen because the rest of the market, there's simply more upside. So energy is a good group. I think energy is a good space. I think it's good for Canada that energy probably stays high for longer. Um, but I don't think that's where the most alpha is going to be found over the next you know, couple of years. Okay, interesting. Are, are there stocks right now that'll, you know, the so-called secular trends that have been in in process of developing for for some time now, but is there is there a real sort of pinnacle to some of these stocks that you see coming through, like things that have done well, uh, have obviously been discounted lately, growth stocks, but just have that secular quality of where the future is going in five years from now. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, there are lots of them. Lots. And are they still and kind of demolished in terms of their yes. valuations? Yes, demolished in terms of their future valuation, a hundred percent. I mean. A lot of stuff in my purview is down 80%. I mean, some of these software names are down 80%. Um, I think Snapchat went from 100 to 10. I mean, so like, there's been real destruction in growth land, and that presents opportunity. Now, can all these stocks go lower? Of course, can always go lower. But if you were investing in a stocks business that you don't think the business is impaired, but the, the valuation got extreme and maybe management hasn't done the best job. Um, I don't know. I, I, I see a lot of opportunity right now. Um, have you seen management change at many so-called growth companies? I don't know. You can call it, but I mean, have you seen a fair amount of management either change over? We hear about some big names, of course, but 
-hmm. Has there been on balance some real change going on? There's a lot of change occurring. Uh, we had another one yesterday, Peloton, right? The two founders yeah. left. Um, that's awesome. I love to see that. And, you know, you're seeing a lot of the visionary leaders just get, you know, hung. And a lot of management teams are actually just, we call it getting religion. So they're starting to, like I said earlier, they're figuring out, well, I got 12 projects that are stupid and I'm going to cancel 11 of them and I'm going to focus on my core business. And I'm see, I'm hearing that a lot, like a lot, a lot. Like that is the most consistent message I'm getting from everybody in the world of growth. It takes time, right? Like it takes time. You got to fire all these people. You got to reposition. Some companies are further along in the journey than others. But that's bullish, and that's what you want to see. You want to see change occurring, um, and then ultimately that change will start to show up in results. And if we don't have like financial crisis level like economy, and the economy just slows down, I think a lot of these these things are going to be fine. So that's sort of my base case: is we that's we just don't have like the end of the world nightmare recession. So talk a little bit, if you would, about about financials, you know, sort of broadly. And I might just add to that that where the fintech space fits right now. It's it's somewhat slimmed down. At some point we thought Wall Street would just buy all the fintechs and then that didn't really happen. And you know, give us your They could now. They could now. Fintech is fintech is absolutely blown up. It was like one of the most toxic groups. Um if you own like PayPal or or coins Coinbase or oh my God, these things are like down so much. This is this is what I'm saying. Like a lot of the speculative areas of the market, like Square, I think Square went from two hundred to thirty. Like there's been like just They've been destroyed. Um, and I think there's a lot of opportunity in those places because in many cases, what those companies were doing hasn't changed. Um, and the trends that they were working on haven't changed and the value proposition hasn't changed. And I, I would argue that the financial sector should be buying these companies now. Um, anyone with real vis visions, like if you're JP Morgan, why go buy PayPal, right? Like just take them out of the game. Um, that's what I think should be happening. It's not. And that's just that's super bullish, in my opinion. Um, so financials in general suck uh, for me. There's no growth um, like a big Canadian bank. When I own big Canadian banks and my funds, I, that's because I have no other better ideas um, like they're banks. Like it's a bank. Um, I had no value. Every every fund manager. There are people bank, giggling on this call right now, you know, in this program. Well, there are people it's, giggling right it's now. It's stupid. Every yeah. fund manager in Canada owns banks, and nobody who owns my product owns owns it so that I will own Royal Bank. I mean, every mutual fund that every planner has got has got Royal Bank in every single one of them except mine. Okay. Um, I only have like four minutes with you. Hang on. I got to ask you this question. But emerging technologies, including hydrogen, um, and also broadly biotech. So maybe you can quickly go into a couple of those. And I don't have a ton of time. But so what do you think of hydrogen? Uh, I think it's too soon. A lot of science projects. Um, I think that you're not going to make any money investing in hydrogen stocks. And I've tried it. I, you know, in 2020 and 2021, I lost a fortune in hydrogen stocks. Again, I think the third time. Um, I keep going back to that well and it keeps never working. So. I don't know. I'm going to stay away from hydrogen. I, I think that biotech is actually very interesting. Healthcare is a really good group for uncertain times. They have pricing power. It's uh, not economically sensitive. And I, I think it's a, actually a, a decent place to be hunting right now. Um, certainly biotech is, there's been a lot of good data lately. And I think that there's some 
really good stuff in healthcare that we should be taking a look at. And I'm spending a lot of time on healthcare right now because okay. it's not economically it's not economically sensitive. Um, right. So it's binary it's, though. It's binary. It is, but it's but it, like it's there's growth. So if you own right. Bristol Myers, for example, yeah, there's some binary action, but there's like a really nice growth business that the binary action is attached to. And in, a, in an economy where it's kind of squishy and inflation's high and there's not a lot of growth and these things pay big dividends, healthcare seems like a pretty good group to be in. Maybe not so much tools because uh, hospitals have been wiped out by COVID, but a lot of the big pharma stocks look really good to me. And then biotech in general looks pretty good as a group. Um, okay. So, yeah. That's great. Um, and just a regional question. Are, are you, you're very focused on the U.S.? Are you starting to find opportunities abroad or is this, I mean, it looks pretty tough out there, but maybe that's good for hunting. So, I mean, with the strength of the U.S. dollar, it's been really bad to be anywhere but in the United States. Um, actually, the Canadian dollar has been good. It's yeah. been very, very relative to the euro. I mean, everyone in Canada should be going to Paris right now. Um, you know, it's Canadian dollar has been very, very strong. So both of those two currencies, it's the best place to be. We, North America has the cheapest energy, you know, the most efficient economies. Um, Europe, it looks awful. I mean, awful. Asia's a mess. So regionally, when you look around the world, it's it's hard to say, well, why would I go and mess around with like Latin American stocks when like, it just doesn't look like it's getting any better? So yeah, mostly still in, in the United States and Canada. So a final message just to sort of wrap up a number of the thoughts that you've laid out for us, but just sort of where you are at right now. Where we are at with respect to what? Where you are at in terms of the portfolio and, and positioning. I would say I'm probably 60, I'm probably 60, 40 offense, defense, maybe not quite that high, working towards it. Um, I'm slowly selling defense to slowly buy offense. And that's a transition that I started about six weeks ago, maybe. Um, and that will continue. And, and my goal is so that when the market finally bottoms, I have as much offense as I can possibly stomach so that when things get better, the, the fund really moves. And, and I have told people forever, traditionally, my funds go down with the market and I'm looking at it now. I'm down 20 and the NASDAQ's down 24. So I always go down about the same as the market. And then as things get better, I tend to do much better than the market. And that's how I want to position the funds. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm slowly selling my defense to buy offense every day. It's great to have a chance to speak with you. And thank you for joining us from, is it foggy San Francisco still, or is that lifted? Now it's starting to lift. Starting to lift. Morning fog starting to lift. Great to see you, Mark. Yeah. All the best. Thanks, Pamela. Thanks for listening to the Fidelity Connects podcast. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to Fidelity Connects on your podcast platform of choice. And if you like what you're hearing, leave a review or a five-star rating. You can visit fidelity.ca for more information on future live webcasts. And don't forget to follow Fidelity Canada on Twitter. Thanks again. See you next time.